Take your copy of God's Word and open it with me to the Gospel of John. This morning we're going to pick up where we left off last week in John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. The words will also be on the screen. Every night, every night in different parts of the world, there is something truly miraculous that takes place, and yet most people in the world don't even know that it's happening. It has a name, it sounds a little strange, but it's called deal vertical migration. You think, what in the world is deal vertical migration? If you're into marine biology, you know. Deal vertical migration refers to the species of fish that live in the oceans deep, deep beneath the surface. They live where there is no light or hardly any light whatsoever. And every single night after the sun goes down, all of these fish swim all the way up to the surface and before sunrise they all swim back down 3,000 feet or more now I decided to bless you with some examples this morning uh, you can thank me after the service if you'd like but let me give you uh, some examples of some fish that practice this deal vertical migration first of all you have this example it's called the lion's mane jellyfish every night it starts out in the depths of the sea it rises all the way up to the surface and then it goes back down and then you have this other fish called the hatchet fish don't ask me to pronounce that last part but this type of hatchet fish every night it starts out down in the depths it swims all the way to the surface and then it goes back down trigger warning some of you may want to close your eyes on this next one there's a type of shark it's called the frilled shark and every night it starts down in the depths it swims up to the surface and then it goes back down again. Scientists cannot explain it. They don't have any clue why these fish do this night after night after night. But all of these creatures come up at night and go back down before morning. Isn't it amazing how many things come to the surface in the dark that's true scientifically that's true physically but that's true spiritually as well right now spiritually it seems so dark seems like it's getting darker we see people turning away from God fewer and fewer churches preaching the gospel we see a society that calls evil good and calls good evil. It's very dark. It's getting darker. And the darker it gets, 
There are all these things we see coming up to the surface, like the breakdown of the family, increasing rates of depression and suicide, especially amongst teenagers. We see increases in addictions, in crimes of all types. We see a growing sense of despair, a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning in life. The darker it gets, the more these things come to the surface. And everybody's wondering, how can we change it? How can we turn on the light, so to speak? I believe that is the question that our text is going to answer this morning. Last week, we began this new series in the Gospel of John, which we are calling Come and See. We saw that in the opening verses, in the introduction to John's Gospel, he focuses on the identity of Jesus. And so last week, we saw that Jesus is the Word who was in the beginning who was both with God and who was God. We saw that he is the creator. John said he created all things that have been made. But John also said that he is the light of men and his light shines in the darkness. Starting in verse 6, John does something that seems kind of strange to us when we first read it. He goes from talking about Jesus to talking about John the Baptist, not to be confused with the John who wrote this particular gospel. Why does he do that? Why does he switch over from talking about Jesus to talking about John? Well, having told us that Jesus is the light of men, he then tells us how exactly God is going to fill the world with that light. What is exactly God's plan for dispelling darkness in this world, whether it's the darkness in your home or the darkness in your school or the darkness in your neighborhood, the darkness in your network of friends? How does God go about dispelling darkness? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. God's plan for dispelling darkness, it involves you and it involves me. As I said, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And since we're only going to cover four verses, let's read our passage starting in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. What is God's plan for dispelling the darkness? I want to answer that question with one sentence made up of four words parts. So I'll do something I don't normally do. I'll give you the whole outline right now at the beginning. How does God do it? What is God's plan? God uses 
a human vessel who testifies to the world while denying himself and pointing others to Christ. That is God's plan. That is how God does it. Let's look at that statement, each part individually. He uses a human vessel. He uses a human vessel. Verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. You can't help but notice here that John the Apostle is writing this in such a way to make a contrast between what he said about Jesus and now what he's saying about John the Baptist. For example, Jesus was in the beginning. John the Baptist came. Jesus is the Word. John was a man. Jesus is God. John was sent from God. Jesus is the light. John bore witness of the light. Jesus gives light to all men. John testified so that all might believe. You can't help but notice that everything he tells us about John the Baptist is meant to contrast what he just told us the verses before about Jesus. And don't miss the point. The point is, even though Jesus was all of those things we looked at last week in verses 1 through 5. God still sent a man to preach to the people and to prepare the people for his coming in verse 6. That is an amazing thought when you think about it because you would think if ever there's a time when that human voice is not going to be needed. If ever there's a time where a man is not going to be part of the process to proclaim the light, surely it is when the light of the world is here. But even while Jesus was walking on the earth, even when the light of the world was physically present with us, even then, God used a human vessel to proclaim his coming. That is amazing. Now, what kind of human vessel did God use? Well, let's just say John the Baptist was different. Can we just say that? He was different. If you know the story in Matthew's gospel, we're told that he wore camel's hair and a leather belt. You know what that means? That means he did not dress like anybody else. We're told that he ate a diet of locusts and wild honey. Yum. Uh, what does that mean? That means he did not eat like anybody else. He was a Nazarite, so he did not shave. He did not cut his hair. You know what that means? That means he did not look like anybody else. On the outside, John the Baptist was rugged and he was rough. But when he preached... Wow! When he preached. You know, most preachers in those days, if they had a message, they would go to Jerusalem to preach. John the Baptist, he didn't go to the temple. He didn't go to the synagogue. He left Jerusalem and went to the wilderness. And yet, in the wilderness, he preached with such power the people came. The Bible tells us that the religious leaders came to hear him. Those Roman soldiers, they came out to hear him. Did you know that even Herod, the Bible says, Herod came to hear him preach? The Bible says that Herod 
feared him. But this is how God did it. He used a human vessel. A man was sent from God whose name was John. He didn't have to do it this way. He could have sent angels to broadcast it to everybody in the world to hear it once. He could have written it in the clouds so that everyone could look up and see it at once. But that is not what God did. And if God used a human vessel even then, that is certainly how God does it now. Can I be honest with you? I have no clue why. I don't understand. That's one of those questions I want to ask God when I get to heaven. Why does God do it this way? Why does God use people like you and me to do the greatest task in the universe? But God has chosen to use people, to use human vessels to carry the light into all of the world. This is God's plan for dispelling the darkness, to use a human vessel. But what kind of human vessel? Listen to this next part. A human vessel who testifies to the world. This is God's plan, to use a human vessel who testifies to the world. Look at the first part of verse 7. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. You will notice that this word witness is very, very prominent in the Gospel of John. It rarely appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it appears over and over again in the Gospel of John. It's the same word from which we get the word martyr. Did you know that? And sure enough, John the Baptist was martyred. His head was cut off by Herod at the request of Herod's stepdaughter. But the basic meaning of this word witness is simply someone who testifies as to what they have seen, someone who testifies as to what they have heard and what they have experienced. And because they've seen and heard and experienced such things, they therefore have knowledge to establish a fact. Now, later on in John chapter 1, we'll get to that later, but John shares his testimony, and he talks about how God told him that he was going to reveal the Messiah. God did not tell him uh, who it would be. He didn't say, by the way, it's going to be your cousin Jesus. God simply said, uh, you will see the Holy Spirit descend upon him. Jesus came, John the Baptist baptized him. When he came up out of the water, sure enough, that is exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and from that moment forward, John the Baptist knew he is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And so he began to witness. He began to give his testimony, what he had seen and what he had heard. Notice again in verse 7 that John was a witness that all through him, not in him, not in John the Baptist, but through John might believe in Jesus. Same reason why God sent John the Baptist is the reason why God sends you and God sends me so that we would bear witness not to some but to all so that all would have the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel by placing their faith in Jesus. And this is something that every believer can do. Every believer can be a witness. I remember 
a number of years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I was driving on Campbell Drive back when it was only two lanes. You remember those days? And I was driving on Campbell Drive, and uh, a car went straight through this red light and ran right into the car that was in front of me. Got out, checked on everybody, made sure they were okay. Police got there in no time. And since I was still there, they asked me to give a witness because I was not in either car. I was a third party. I was watching. They asked me to give testimony. And so that's what I did. I said, this is what happened. This is what I saw transpire before me. Now listen to me carefully. When I gave my testimony, I was not claiming to be an expert in combustible engineering. And when I gave my testimony, I was not claiming to understand all of the physics that were involved in that crash. How a certain car, traveling at a certain speed, hit another car at a certain angle, causing it to go in a certain direction. I didn't claim to understand any of that stuff. I just gave a testimony. This is what I saw take place. And to be a witness, you simply must have had a personal experience with Jesus Christ. We're going to get there eventually, but one day we'll get to John chapter 9. And oh, how I love that story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, when Jesus healed the man who was born blind. And do you remember that story, how everybody just started pounding on the guy? They just bombarded him with question after question. Who did this? Some guy named Jesus. Where did he go? He says, I don't know. How did he do this? I don't know. Was he a prophet? They asked. He said, I don't know. Somebody finally asked him, do you know anything? And do you remember what he said? I was blind, but now I see. This guy didn't have much theology. He didn't know much doctrine, but he knew how to be a witness. And let me tell you, once again, we read this, and it kind of seems strange to us that John would have to bear witness to light. I mean, we bear witness to many things. I bore witness to the accident that I saw. We bear witness to a lot of things, but normally we don't have to bear witness to light. I mean, that's, is, that is kind of odd, right? For example, how many of you, by raising your hands, got up this morning before sunrise? Raise your hand. How many of you got up before sunrise? All right. How many of you, by raising your hands, got up this morning after sunrise? This is my 11 o'clock crowd. Of course you're all going to raise your hand for this one. At 8 o'clock, it was the opposite. Let me ask you another question. How many of you wouldn't have even known that sunrise took place? If someone had not testified to you, anybody? Of course not. Because the only reason why you would ever have to testify to light is if the person 
to whom you are testifying is what? Blind. That's the only time you need to testify to light. Well, John bore witness to the light, and we are called to bear witness to the light because spiritually this world is blind, and it is in darkness. And later on in chapter 3, we are told that the natural man not only lives in a state of darkness, he actually loves the darkness, which is why he will not believe And yet, this is our job. This is what God has called us to do, to testify to the world, to be a witness. This is how God does it. This is how he chooses to push back darkness, by using a human vessel who simply testifies to the world. But I want you to notice the third part of this statement that we see through the example of John the Baptist. God uses a human vessel who testifies to the world while denying himself while denying himself look at verse 8 he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light let me tell you something about John the Baptist that I bet many of you don't know something about John the Baptist that is unique to the gospel of John we don't see this in Matthew Mark or Luke but in the gospel of John In every passage, in every story in which John the Baptist appears, he is always being brought down a notch. Did you know that? In John's gospel, John the Baptist is always being lowered, lowered, lowered. He was not that light. He's being lowered. Verse 37, we're told that the two disciples, they heard John speak, but they didn't follow John. They followed Jesus instead. Once again, he's being lowered. John chapter 10 says that John the Baptist didn't perform miracles. Lowered. Many times we see this coming out of the mouth of John the Baptist. He opens his mouth and he lowers himself. He says later on in this chapter, He who comes after me is preferred to me because he was before me. I am not worthy to untie his sandals. I baptize with water, but he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Do you see how with each statement, he's just lowering himself, lowering himself, More and more. And how about this one? When John the Baptist found out that people were leaving him to go follow Jesus, he rejoiced. And do you remember what he said? He must increase and I must decrease. And once again, we see John lowering himself. Now there's a reason why we see this in the Gospel of John. Remember I told you last week, this was the last of the four Gospels written. It was written a number of years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. By the time John wrote this epistle, there were still, after all these years, a lot of people who were following John the Baptist instead of following Jesus. And so he continually puts John the Baptist down. He lowers him. He lowers him again and again as if to say he's not who some of you think he is. 
We read in Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul was in Ephesus. He met some followers of John the Baptist, preached the gospel to them. They were saved. And so John says here, he was not that light because some people were treating John the Baptist as if he were that light. Some people were putting him on a pedestal. John says he was not that light because we have this tendency, don't we, to put the messenger on a pedestal. Two words. Be careful. Be careful. I met people, I meet people in some churches who love talking about their pastor a lot more than they love talking about Jesus. Be careful. You see a big billboard advertising a church and the pastor's face takes up half the space. Be careful. It's good to love your pastors. Thank you. I will let you down. Be careful. John the Baptist was all about denying himself, denying himself, denying himself, and exalting Christ. At the beginning of the 18th century, there was a man, maybe you've heard of, maybe not, but his name was Nicholas Zinzendorf. And God called him to preach. He was a great pastor and a missionary. In fact, God used Nicholas Zinzendorf to reach some peoples that nobody else was reaching back in those days. And Nicholas Zinzendorf was used mightily by God, perhaps because he had this saying. He had this way of summarizing his life's mission. It was short and sweet, but it was so powerful. You know what his life mission was? Nicholas Zinzendorf said that his life mission was to preach Christ, to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. I know God has more in store for us than that. But when I hear that, I can't think of anything better. To preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And here's the funny thing about this. At the end of the day, only those who live to be forgotten will ultimately be remembered. The reason why we do remember Nicholas Zinzendorf is because he did not strive to be remembered. He put the spotlight on Jesus. John the Baptist did not seek his own glory. So what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? Well, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet ever born. In Luke's gospel, Jesus said that John the Baptist was, obviously apart from Christ, the greatest man ever born. Isn't it interesting? The man that Jesus called the greatest was the man who strived at every single moment to make himself the lowest. This is the kind of person that God uses to dispel darkness and to bring light into the earth. A human vessel who testifies to the world while denying himself. And then the last part of this statement, and pointing others to Christ. And pointing others to Christ. Look at verse 9. That was the true light 
which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was the true light. Imagine you are in a field and imagine it's so dark you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You can't see anything. But then all of a sudden there is a flash of lightning and for one brief moment you can see everything. So was the coming of Christ. This world there was darkness. Every now and then God would provide like a prophetic flashlight. Someone who would preach and we would have a little bit of light. We would see some things. But then 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. The true light came into the world. It's interesting, John calls him the true light. That word true, there were two different Greek words that we see in the New Testament that translate true. One word means true as in correct, the right answer. Like if you have a math problem and you give the right answer. But that's not the word that John uses here. The word he uses when he says that Jesus was the true light is the word that means real or genuine, something that is not counterfeit. So when John calls Jesus the true light in verse 9, that means he is the one and only light. Now, John the Baptist, he may have been, as Jesus said, the greatest prophet and the greatest man ever born. But even the greatest prophet and greatest man could not save us because even the greatest prophet and the greatest man was a sinner and he needed somebody to save him. See, what we need is more than a great prophet to tell us what we ought to do. What we need is more than a great moral example to show us what to do. No, we need the true light. We need a Savior. We needed God himself to come down and do for us in our place what we could not do for ourselves. And so Jesus came and he lived the perfect sinless life that we should have lived. And then he took the punishment that we should have received when he died on the cross for us. He fought the fight and he won the battle over sin and death when he rose again on the third day. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus would do that. And that is why he is the true light, John said. No, John the Baptist, he was not that light. But I do want you to notice something else Jesus said about John the Baptist. In John chapter 5, verse 35, Jesus said, He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. Notice John was not the light. He is, however, called a lamp. Big difference between the two. You see, if you have a lamp, maybe some of you, you've got your hurricane supplies, God forbid. We lose power, we lose electricity. You pull out that light, you put in the oil, you light the wick. You may have that lamp. You already know that lamp does not have any inherent light of its own. You understand that for the lamp, the light must be supplied. And once the light is supplied, then it can take that light and carry that light so that others can see. Folks, that's our job. That's what God has called us to do, like John, to be a burning and shining lamp. 
He was burning with zeal and shining with the truth. We need both, a passion for souls, a passion for the lost, while speaking the truth in love to the world around us. This is what God's called us to do, and yet, unfortunately, so many times what we see instead, we see Christians complaining about the darkness. All I have to do is go on half of your social media accounts. We spend half the time complaining about how dark it is around us. Ladies and gentlemen, for you to complain about the darkness is like you complaining because you forgot to light your lamp. Doesn't make sense. If there's a fault or if there's a lack of light, if there's a lack of light, listen, it's never the world's fault that the light is not shining because light always conquers darkness. If there is a lack of light, that belongs to us. That's our problem. We have to confess that. We have to own that. You notice that John said Jesus is the true light. And notice this. Who gives light to every man coming into the world? Now, coming into the world in the Greek doesn't describe every man it describes the light. In other words, because Jesus came into the world, by his coming into the world, light is now available to every man. By his coming into the world, every man, every woman, every boy and girl can receive this light, can experience light and live in the light. Now, Let's take everything that we've seen this morning and let's just put this all together. And before I close, here's what, what I want to do. I just want to make this personal for a moment. How does God dispel darkness? How does bring, how God bring light into the world? He uses a human vessel. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no plan B when it comes to the Great Commission. There's nobody who's going to take your place. So are you willing to say, as Isaiah said, here am I? Send me. Are you willing to say, I will be that vessel? God uses a human vessel who testifies to the world. Who has God placed in your life right now who needs to hear your testimony? A friend, a coworker, fellow student, a member of your family? To whom has God called you to testify? And folks, maybe you don't have all of the answers to all of their questions. But even then... You can give them a Bible, you can give them a track, you can give them a book, you can invite them to church, you can testify and say, well, this is what God did for me. God will use you in a great way, but there's one thing God will not use, he will not use your silence. Because God uses a human vessel who testifies to the world while denying himself. And so I ask you, in what way is God calling you to deny yourself this morning? What cost have you so far not yet been willing to pay? Is there a comfort that you have not yet been willing to give up for the sake of following Christ, serving Christ, being obedient to Christ? Jesus said, if any man would follow me, let him take up his cross Deny himself and follow me. There's no such thing as following Jesus without denying yourself. 
It's not possible. While denying himself and pointing others to Christ. You're going to have to realize that it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you like. It's about your life pointing others to Jesus, the true light. And yes, the world seems to be getting darker. And as simple as this is, this is God's plan. This is it. This is God's plan for dispelling darkness and for bringing light to use human vessels, people just like you, just like me, who may not have it all figured out, but who are willing to open their mouths and testify to the world while they deny themselves at every opportunity so that they can put all of the focus on Jesus and not on themselves. It wasn't that long ago I told you this story, but I just kind of feel led to remind you one more time of Peter Milne and what was said of him after he died. And if you don't remember, because I think it's been about eight months, Peter Milne was that missionary to Vanuatu, that island nation in the Pacific. He was the one who brought the gospel to them. And many people believed he preached the gospel there for 50 years. And when he died, let me just remind you what they wrote on his tombstone. They said, when he came, there was no light. When he departed, there was no darkness. Would to God that somebody would say that about you and about me, wherever God has placed us, about First Baptist Church of Homestead, that when they departed, they were so faithful to the gospel. When they departed, it's as if there was no darkness left. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, the light of the world, to us. In spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion, you loved us. You sent Jesus to pay the ultimate price. He lived in our place that perfect sinless life. He, he took the test, passed the test for us that we had failed. And then he took our place on the cross, every nail in his hands and his feet, every thorn in his brow. It was ours, but he took it. And God, we thank you. We thank you that he was willing to do that. And God, we've seen in your word, not just in this passage, but in other passages as well in the scriptures, that this is it. This is your plan. This is how you decided you're going to do it to push back the spiritual darkness around us and to bring forth the light using people like us who testify and deny themselves and point others to Christ. God, this is how you did it when Jesus was walking on this earth through a man named John the Baptist. And Lord, we know just as you did it that way through him, you're going to do it that way through us. So God, help us to see where perhaps we have not been faithful to do this. Help us to see if there's an area in which we need to repent. Help us to see that sin we need to confess. Put on our hearts, God, that person, that man or woman with whom we need to share so that we, like John, would be witnesses of the light. Father, I pray for that man or that woman or that young person who might be here today. They've never come to that place of 
of placing their faith in Jesus Christ and being saved. God, I can't help but think more than likely there are some in this room here today and there are some watching online who they don't know where they would spend eternity if they died right now. And God, I plead with you, we beg of you that that would change. God, we pray that in this very moment you would provide that conviction, that Holy Spirit conviction that they would recognize just how great their sin is before you, a holy God, and that there is no other solution. There's no other door. Jesus is the true light, the one who died for us and who rose again. So I pray, God, that today would be their day of salvation, that even now they'd call upon you and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Save me right now. Father, have your way and show all of us, we ask, how we need to apply this to our lives. Show us where we're falling short so that we would be doers and not just hearers of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name.